Welcome to a Hope Alive Church podcast, where we strive to be an authentic family of believers, where we believe everyone can encounter the living hope found only in Jesus Christ. We hope you enjoy the word. So honored to get to share the word with you guys today. Um, so let's do it. Let's get in there. Oh, also for Man Alive, they're having a BYOB time this Saturday. That means bring your own blessing. Get your mind out the gutter. Bring your own blessing. That means bring your spouse, um, your babe. Yeah, bring your own babe. That was a better one. Dang it. I need to put you on the creative team. But bring your spouse, bring your loved one. Um, uh, Jesus has a special word to give to you about those blessings. And so you don't want to miss it. Get to Abuela's Kitchen. It's a good, it's a great place to eat. No lie. It's so good. They've got these, um, anyway, not about food. It's not about food. Let's get into the word. Let's get into the word. Amen. Thank you. Let's pray. I got to, I just got to pray one more time because we're just going to cover this time in prayer. <laughs> Lord, I love you. We love you. Father God, man, we are just so humbled that you would choose us to be your children that you would do all that you've done to help us be closer to you, that you would, uh, today that you would let my words be your words. Lord, I'm a willing vessel. I'm a willing vessel to be used by you. Lord, that today the things that are said, the hearts that it falls on, Lord, that it would bring life and it would bring encouragement and it would bring uh, wisdom in all that your word does. Lord, it's, just, it's so living and it's so good. And we're so thankful to be in your word today. We love you. We honor you. We praise you in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Well, thank you. Y'all are cute. So Pastor Cliff isn't here today because he is traveling um, on church business. He, he uh, is actually stuck in Dallas. And he's supposed to be going to Nebraska. Who goes to Nebraska? Isn't it? This guy. Uh, but Omaha, Nebraska, but he, his flight got canceled. But don't feel bad for him because there's a Papa Do's in there and a massage spot. So he's living life. He's living life. I asked him, I said, what did you, did you eat anything? Are you like stranded at the airport? And he was like, no, babe. He's like, but I don't want to tell you what I ate. And I was like, just tell me. And he said, I had Papa Do's. I'm like, the Lord is with you. That's what it is. <laughs> Well, let's get in. Have, when you think about pottery, okay, pottery, what do you think about? Okay, do you consider, maybe you're, you know, my age and you think of Ghost and Patrick Swayze and Demi Moore and then just, I was going to get a picture, but then I realized that Patrick Swayze was not wearing a shirt and I'm like, I'll get fired. <laughs> I'll get fired. I can't show that. But, you know, they're, they're, they're at the spinning wheel and they've got some clay and they're trying to make some sort of pottery or, or maybe you've had the privilege. My daughter and I uh, went to San Antonio and we got to paint some pottery you can make pottery um, at these little spots and they're so cute and they're so necessary right because you need that coffee cup if you look at the dishes that you've got they all came from clay if you didn't have clay you wouldn't have a dish but maybe your dishes look like my dishes and they're made out of foam because they're all paper <laughs> plates amen amen but um the bible talks about a potter and what he does with this clay, Get, open your Bibles and go with me to the book of Jeremiah, Jeremiah chapter 18. 
I'm going to start reading in verse 1, Jeremiah 18, verse 1. It says, the Lord sends Jeremiah to the potter's house. And it says in verse 1, a message from the Lord came to me, he said. This is in the NIRV version. Um, it says, Jeremiah, go down to the potter's house. I will give you my message there. And Jeremiah was a good man, and so he went down to the potter's house. And, uh, and he says that, I saw the potter working at his wheel. His hands were shaping a pot out of clay. But when the potter saw that something was wrong with the shape that he was making, he formed it into another pot. He shaped it in the way that seemed best to him being the potter. And in verse 5 it says, Then the Lord's message came to Jeremiah. It says, People of Israel, I can do with you just as this potter does announces the Lord. It says, the clay is in the potter's hand, and you are in my hand, people of Israel. We are God's children. That is who he's talking about. He's telling us that we are in his hand. In, uh, I looked at the, the message translation, the message version, and it says, and I started at, chapter, at verse 5, but it says, then God's message came to me. Can't I do this uh, can't I do just as this potter does, people of Israel? God's decree, it says, watch this potter. In the same way that this potter works his clay, I work on you, people of Israel. At any moment, I may decide to pull up a people or a country by the roots and get rid of them. But if they repent of their wicked lives, I think twice and start over with them. At another time, I might decide to plant a people or country, but if they don't cooperate and won't listen to me, I will think again and give up on the plans I had for them. Isn't that interesting? I want you to pay attention that if you are in God's hand, there is always a way to turn things around. Have you ever noticed in life, maybe you've gone through some tough situations, have you ever seen um, when you're in those tough situations where it feels like there's just so much turmoil? If we are clay, before the potter even puts the clay on the wheel, he has to knead the clay. There's a, there's a massaging or there's a, there's a work that goes with it. If you've ever made bread or ever had to knead something, it, is, it takes all the muscles. <laughs> and, and so have you noticed in your life where it's just like you're, God's working things out? And then imagine being the clay and you end up on the spinning wheel and life just kind of seems like it is just taking you for a ride. And you don't know if you're going and sometimes it feels like these situations that you're going through are just in, yes, in a circle and there's no stopping point and sometimes it's relentless and sometimes it's tough and, and sometimes if you're a daredevil, it could be fun, right? You're just on there, woo! <laughs> Regardless of which, if it's uncomfortable at times. When you're being on the potter's hand, or maybe where life feels like there's just so much turmoil and destruction is coming, what do we do when life gets sticky, when life gets tough? Maybe um, some of you are like me, and we freak out quite a bit, and you're like, what is going on? Oh, just me? I'm the only one that freaks out? Okay, okay. I have a spot for you guys, too. Y'all have to teach me your ways. But 
it, it is, it is, you, you get afraid when the, your, your foundation is cracked, when you, when you're, you know, in the work of it, right? You start questioning God and asking him, hey, bro, what are you doing? And, um, or, and, but then eventually you, you get, if you're like me, you eventually find that, you know, this is, this can be for a purpose. God wants to teach me something or there's something going on. Let me listen, Right. And then you turn to God, and you, you um, super Christians, that you turn to God first. We just want to applaud you. Good job. Could y'all give them a hand? Oh, there's only three of them? <laughs> it's okay. We're all human. But when you're in the thick of this breaking, you know, the thick of the, the it's said in the verse where the potter saw that something was wrong with it. He didn't just keep forming it with the broken, or was something wrong with it. He started over. And he, he took down that clay and then he formed it to a different pot that he knew that amount of clay could actually handle. In, um, and so you'll see, you can see God's hand that when you do turn to God, he turns that thing into a beautiful thing and the lesson that's learned, maybe some relationships restored, something good comes out of it because that is how good our God is. Isn't he good, church? He is. And so uh, you can see God take that destructive thing and turn it into good. In Romans chapter 9, verse 20, this is the message translation. It says, who in the world do you think you are to second guess God? Do you for one moment suppose any of us knows enough to call God into question? Man, the message Bible, it, it needs to sit down, okay? It needs to sit, get somewhere and sit down. But it says, uh, clay doesn't talk back to the fingers that mold it, saying, why did you shape me like this? Isn't it obvious that a potter has a perfect right to shape one lump of clay into a vase for holding flowers and another into a pot for cooking beans? If God needs one style of pottery especially designed to show his angry displeasure and another style carefully crafted to show his glorious goodness, isn't that all right? In verse 30, it says, how can we sum this up? All those people who seem interested in what God was doing actually embrace, who didn't seem interested in what was God, going, God was doing actually embraced what God was doing as he straightened out their lives. And Israel, who seemed so interested in reading and talking about what God was doing, they missed it. How could they miss it? Because instead of trusting God, they took over. They were absorbed in what they themselves were doing. They were so absorbed in their God projects that they didn't notice God right in front of them. Like a huge rock in the middle of the road, and so they stumbled onto him, into him. And went sprawling. And Isaiah gives us the metaphor for pulling this together. He says, careful. I've put a huge stone on the road of Mount Zion. A stone you can't get around. But the stone is me. This is God speaking. If you're looking for me, you will find me on the way, not in the way. Say that with me. On the way, not in the way. I think it's so important for us to see that. We're these people. Yeah. Whenever we're messing up, bad things happen. And if we turn to God, God can make it work out for us, right? And it is so easy to be the second part of the people where 
We can get so distracting, distracted on doing God things that we forget who we are serving, how we're supposed to act, not just what we're supposed to do. You see, becoming a Christian isn't just saying, oh, there's, I can't do this, I can't do that, I can't do this. It is, I get to live. I get to have joy. I get to have peace. I get to have comfort. When destruction and turmoil is going on, being a Christian is more of what you get to do than what you don't get to do. If you were only looking for joy in, a, in, a, in alcohol, you realize being a Christian that there is a joy that the world cannot take. There is a joy in Jesus that you can only find in Jesus. On the way, not in the way that I didn't even tell you my title, but the title of my message is that there's a blessing in the breaking. Say that with me. A blessing in the breaking. We must trust the process. Because there is a blessing <clears throat> in the breaking. Um, what we've been talking about here at the church, Pastor Cliff has really put um, a demand on us. He's put a demand for us to dig deeper. He's put a demand on us to go to new levels. He's put a demand on, on us not just pretending and acting like Christians, but actually being one and reading it and getting a relationship yeah. with God. And when he says that, there's this song that he sang about being in the fire. What's the song, Connor? Where's Connor here? No, he's not here. Do you know what song I'm talking about? That uh, being in the fire and, like, I love being in the fire with you, God, or something. I don't, I don't know. Huh? What? Refiner. Oh, I hate that song. <laughs> yes, the Refiner. The refiner, it, to be refined by God, it hurts. They didn't sing that. They didn't say how painful it was. It is literally burning off the impurities of gold, being a refiner. It is not an easy process. It is a hurting process. And when he is asking and saying that we're going deeper, baby, it's going to hurt. Is going to hurt. Going deeper. I want to make sure that we understand what we're asking for. And, and we're just like, yeah, more of Jesus. And that's beautiful. Stay encouraged because you're going to need it. We're all going to need it. <laughs> I have this friend. His name is Trenton, Pastor Trenton Harold now. And we were talking um, about just the word. Uh, this was a while back. And he said that he wishes people understood that when you receive salvation, you receive all that God has for you. You receive all his gifts, all the power, everything. And what has to happen is that you, we must decrease so that God can increase, right? And what that means is that you need to be less of who you and what you want and you have to make room for him, right? And that's also not easy. So I was thinking, okay, how can I put this into an explanation? And so my three older kids, are their birthdays are June, July, and August. And so I had to do for them in the summer what I would have to do for Christmas. So you'll, you're going to understand. And when you're there um, in the, what, you, what do you have to do whenever you have a whole bunch of stuff and you got to fit it into the same space that is already full of stuff? You got to clean it out, right? 
You got to go through it. And so every Christmas and every summer, we're over there going through it. Maybe, okay, maybe you're not going through your kids' closets, but you're organizing that one shed, that one part, boy, men. Okay, boys, I caught my bad. Men, that one thing that you just keep shoving all the Christmas decorations in or all the lawnmowers. No, oh, not my guys. My guys are organized, right, all the time. <laughs> and so um, I was thinking about it. And that is also a hard thing to do. It tests all of your patience. It takes every bit of Jesus to make sure that you're not yelling all the time because you're going to yell. <laughs> and, and so what do you, you gotta, what you got to do first is you have to acknowledge that there's a mess. And then chaos strikes because it's time to purge. It is time to get rid of the clothes that's been there that doesn't fit them, the toys that they don't play with. You have to do that in secret. And then they cry at the garage sale, at the yard sale, because they notice that you took out all the toys. But do it anyway, girls. Do it anyway. But there's a mess. It's chaotic. It is ugly. Nothing in your house looks like you've been organized, right? Nothing in there, but you're trying to be organized. But here is this huge mess. You're taking everything out of the drawers. You're wiping them down. You're going through the toys. You're, man, I don't know why, but my kids like to store trash <laughs> in their spots. And I'm like, why do we have literally a wrapper of candy in here? Like, why? And it's, it's, it's in the drawer because they clean their room, you know. So you're just going through it, right? You're checking everything. You're checking if things still fit. You're checking if it's still useful. You have a donation box for the things that are useful, but they're not useful for you anymore, right? And, and then you're throwing trash, and, and then you look, and you're, you're not even halfway there, because you just got rid of junk. Now you got to put it back, and then you got to put the new stuff back, right? That, man, the days after Christmas is tough in our house. It's tough. And after, then you cry out, you're frustrated. But then once you've checked everything, they've tried it all on, you take it, you take everything that you actually need, you actually want, and you place it in an organized way, but only, I mean, just, this is the kid, my kid's stuff. It only lasts organized for about five seconds. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Can we, can, Pastor, can you, no, they don't. Pastor Annie, can you teach them how to organize back there, please? <laughs> but I think life is so similar to what, to what we got to do with this. Because you have to acknowledge that there's a problem, that there's a mess. And, and then chaos starts because you're having to purge. And you're having to, when we're digging deeper, you're going to have to, if you're making room for new and making room for more, you got to get rid of the stuff that you don't use, the people you don't need, the relationships that are dragging you down, okay, okay? You have to look and take inventory of life and the situations that you're in. You have to evaluate everything. And it hurts. And it's hard. And it will be frustrating, but you can do it because you have to remind yourself that there is a blessing in the breaking, that there is a process that you must trust. And so I urge you to cry out for help, just like we had to cry out for help in organizing all this stuff. And God makes all that you went through. He, this is how he's so good. 
He makes all the pain and the frustration that you went through, he makes it work for your good when you love him, when you're called according to his purpose, and that is in Bible. Church, it is time for us to wake up and pay attention. It is time, the time for fake is over. Authenticity is now. We have learned how to cope with chains for way too long. It's time for freedom, but freedom requires digging. Freedom requires you to acknowledge, just like we had to acknowledge that there's a mess, but you have to acknowledge the bondage you've been in. You have to ask God for help, and you have to ask God for wisdom, and you must be obedient to what he asks of you. To break free requires both faith and works. James chapter 2, verse 14, it says, Suppose a person claims to have faith but doesn't act on their faith. My brothers and sisters, can this kind of faith save them? Suppose a brother or a sister has no clothes or food. Suppose one of you says to them, Go, I hope everything turns out fine for you. Keep, uh, keep warm and eat well. And suppose you do nothing about what they really need, then what good have you done? It is the same with faith. If it doesn't cause you to do something, it's dead. Faith without works is dead, just like works without faith is dead. Maybe you are exhausted from trying to do everything on your own and fix it on your own. Who, where are my control freaks here? Hello. We're trying to make sure that we're managing everything, looking at all your kids' phones, making sure that they're not into something. You're checking on schedules and making sure things are lining out, right? It takes, it does take works, but you're probably exhausted because you're trying to do that on your own. And you're not inviting God into those situations. And I get it. I've been there. We do it. I do it. And I've been a Christian for a long time. <laughs> Maybe your work is Maybe the work that you've got to do is getting into your Bible more. Maybe it's praying more. Maybe it's changing jobs. Maybe it's to live within your budget. That's for the people at the other church, not this one. That's what it is, right? Maybe you got to go through therapy. Man, there's nothing wrong with therapy. I see a therapist every other week. I need it. I do, and I am not ashamed of it. I am proud of it. It's not because I am mentally completely unhealthy, but I got to work through some trauma. We got, if we're digging, we got to dig, and I need somebody who can understand this. I can work on my faith, but I need someone to help me understand my mind, my thinking, my processes, because if I just am praying, God, help me forgive, but I don't do anything, to learn how to heal that trauma, to learn how to heal whatever is going on, is not going away. It's just like saying, like the scripture just said, I have no food, I have no, no, no clothes, but I'm just going to pray here and I'm going to just hope and I'm just going to pray and I'm just going to come to church all the time. Baby, you got to have both, okay? We're talking about works. Maybe it's having um, hard conversations. Maybe it's learning boundaries. Maybe it's saying goodbye to things or people. Regardless of what it is, God will show you. And it won't be an easy task, but there's a blessing in the breaking. Say that with me. A blessing in the breaking. 
God has such a way of showing you those broken places. And it, they're the simplest things. You just have to be listening. Um, way back in like 2006, there was a movie called Click but, uh, with Adam Sandler. You remember? You remember? Okay. And um, Cliff and I went to go see it in the movie theaters, and it hit my heart. And I was just crying. And I just remember, like, like, not just, like, regular crying, like, I couldn't catch my breath crying. And I was like, why am I crying so much? And Cliff was like, what is wrong with you? <laughs> and I was like, I don't know. But the way it was this thing with the dad, right? And, and he, like, took that relationship for granted. And, and the dad was passing away. And, and he was trying to fast forward through life. And I don't remember the whole thing. But I just remember there was a relationship between a father and a son, and it was rocky until the end, and he cries out to his dad, and he's like, Dad, I'm sorry, I love you, I shouldn't have fast forward so much, and then it goes back, and it was just a dream, but he runs to his dad, he hugs him, and what it hit me was, I didn't realize how bitter I was about my dad. My dad growing up was truly my hero. He was a pastor of a church, um, and I was probably, I mean, from birth till about six years old, but I remember, I remember being at his church. I remember the first memory verse I learned. It was a Spanish Baptist church, and my, my, they were mean, but, (laughs) but my dad loved Jesus, and I loved Jesus, and that's all that mattered, and I remember it was Job uno uno. Job era perfecto y recto y temeroso del mal. Anyway, that's all I got. That's what I got. But I, I remember one time my dad was preaching and he was asking the church a question. And I like, whoosh, I had the answer. I don't even remember what it was. But he asked some of the elders of the church and they, he was like, no, that's not it. And I was like, I know. <laughs> I'm like, over here six, all big head. Go sit down. <laughs> Go sit down. But at such a young age, I knew I was going to be in ministry because I saw my dad do it. But it wasn't just that. I just really realized at such a young age, I love Jesus. And I would love to tell you that I lived a great life and I was a good teenager, but I was bad. Like, bad. Like, bad. (laughs) And so when this movie came out, my dad had fallen out of the church my, uh, we moved towns, um, he was fired, he was doing some, uh, he was having affairs at the church, he, uh, my parents ended up uh, divorcing, and I was living at the time at Comfort, Texas, over there at the beautiful hill country, where there was just green grass and green trees, and you didn't have to water it, (laughs) I know, I know, I'm coming, I'm coming, my rabbit trail, but my relationship with my dad really became strained after that. We didn't see him very often, and, and I think maybe it was shame. And looking back now, I think I can give him some grace and realize it was probably a lot of shame that he felt, and he felt like he probably wasn't a good dad, or I, I don't know, but I did give him grace. And so after that movie, I knew I needed to do something. And when God told me that it was bitterness that I had buried down deep, I'm telling you, I didn't realize I was bitter. Like, it was, it was one of those deep things to excavate. And so at that point, my dad had really just gone on the other, I mean, he just, he, he just didn't 
He wasn't living for God. At that point, he was in jail. I wrote my dad a letter. I found out what jail he was in. I wrote him a letter. I remember crying. I remember the feelings. And I, but I was telling him that I loved him. I was telling him that I just, I just, uh, I, I remember crying. Um, I, it brought up those harsh pains, those harsh hurts, those big pains. That truly is the purge of letting it out, right? And I wish I could say that that restored our relationship, but it didn't. It did, it did build a bridge. Um, and we met a couple times. We met up a couple times after he had gotten out of jail. But it wasn't for very long. And, and we went nine years before I saw him. And it's been, it, it had been nine years without seeing him and really hearing from him. He would text me every once in a while a happy birthday. And, and I would text him happy birthday or Merry Christmas. And that was literally the extent of our relationship. And then here comes Chase. And he starts asking me just last year. He was asking me, Mom, do you have a dad? Do I have a grandpa? Do I, what's his name? Can I call him? And question after question after question it doesn't take much for you to realize when God is talking to you again he uses our little ones at times he uses people around you he uses music he uses tv shows you just gotta listen you just gotta listen and so um I knew that it wasn't by coincidence I did reach out I was trying to work through you know just those that trauma of just feeling like I've been rejected and abandoned by my dad and I um for Christmas my brother had asked if we could invite him over and I was like well, that's a lot but let's go have lunch <laughs> boundaries right I don't really know you and I'm not trying to have you at my whole Christmas celebration but let's go to lunch and Chase was so excited and he got to meet his grandpa and I got to hug him I got to tell him that I love him I told him I wish we could do this more, and he was all about it. But it's still a weird relationship, right? And uh, I remember feeling so exhausted after that because it's just everything is going through your head, right? And I took a two-hour nap, and I needed it. Um, but the fact that I was able to hug my dad, I don't know what tomorrow holds, but I'm so thankful that I was obedient and listening enough to be able to hug him and at least tell him that. Whether it's a close relationship or not, I feel a release that I've done what I'm supposed to do. The breaking must happen to make room for God. If I kept this bitterness or this hurt in this position, I won't make room for God to do what he needs to do. As we dig deeper, it's going to require excavating things. It's going to require breaking ground. It's, it, and this ground isn't just, just this mushy little ground that you're pulling up. It's hard. It, it, has, it has life living on it. There's probably trees in the ground that you're trying to build. It's ground that's been established, and it's going to take time. But he's with us on the way, not in the way. And you're going to, what we don't talk about is you will miss what once was there. You're going to grieve what the ground was before while also knowing that it's a part of the process to dig through it. 
It may have looked nice, but going deeper, you're going to tap into new rivers of living water, and you're going to gain more understanding, more trust in God, because there's a blessing in the breaking, right? Jesus himself endured pain. He endured the hard things, and he was a perfect man and deity. He endured it for the greater purpose, for God's will. Everything Jesus went through and everyone in it was a part of the process. It took the Pharisees, uh, the church leaders, to not like him. It took him being talked about. It took people who would rally against Jesus. It took people that would question him. It took Judas to betray him. It took the frustration of asking his disciples to help him pray up at Mount of the Olives. And they fell asleep. And uh, it also took the miracles and the great things that Jesus did to bring attention. It took the many people that got to know him and love him. Everything and everyone is a part of your process. They're, they're all a part of the greater process. And so without the betrayal and the hate from others, we would never have had the crucifixion. He would never have died for our sins and raised in three days and broke the curse of hell in the grave. Because of his pain and the digging deep he had to do, we get to experience the most precious blessing of all, salvation. In Luke chapter 22, verse 39, it says that Jesus went out as usual to the Mount of Olives. His disciples followed him. When they reached the place, Jesus spoke, pray that you won't fall into sin when you are tempted, and he said to them. Then he went a short distance away from them. There he got down on his knees and he prayed. He said, Father, if you're willing, take this cup of suffering away from me. But do what you want, not what I want. An angel from heaven appeared to Jesus and gave him strength. Because Jesus was so sad and troubled, he prayed even harder and that his sweat was like drops of blood falling onto the ground. Jesus didn't want to go through it. Jesus knew the pain it was going to cause him, that he would have to endure. But more than he didn't want it, what he wanted more was to fulfill what God's will was. It was to fulfill the promise. It was to fulfill our salvation. And perhaps that's your desire too, and it should be. Maybe you're saying, maybe God is saying to us right now, actually, God is saying that he wants to use your pain to bring salvation and victory to those around you. In Revelation chapter 12, verse 11, it says, they had victory over him being the enemy by the blood of the lamb spilled for them. They had victory over him by speaking the truth about Jesus to others, which is the word of your testimony. And they were willing to risk their lives, even if it led to death. In the breaking, we must prepare. We must do five things. We must prepare for the breaking. Put the word in you when you don't need it so that it'll be there when you do need it. You're going to need it. Maybe you're not going through something tough right now. Great. Get in there. Start reading that thing. When the breaking happens, your foundation will be exposed. What... What you hold dearest to will be shown. When COVID hit and the panic happened, foundations were exposed. 
who you trusted, what you trusted, if you were in the news all the time, more than believing God was going to help you through it, it showed. When we didn't have a place to have church in an actual building where you had to feed yourself, your foundation showed. It, you've got to make sure that you're preparing yourself for it. Number two, pray for protection. Because you're gonna, you're, you just want God to help you get through it, and he will. Number three, trust the process. Number four, ask for help. This is why being a part of a church is so important. You need me. I need you. When you're going through it, I'm going to pray for you. When I'm going through it, I need you to pray for me. We need each other. There is such power in numbers. That's why Jesus asked his, his disciples to pray with him, right? This is what the community is for. Do what Jesus did. Even though he didn't want to, he still said, but it's not what I want. It's what you want. He prayed and the angel came and, he, and the angel gave him strength. Jesus didn't have the strength enough to get through it, but the angel did it for him. He prayed even harder. That's what we've got to do, just like Jesus. Whatever situation you find yourself in, when the breaking happens, to dig deep, to dig these wells, to find that new living water, we gotta, we, we gotta be ready for it. You can, it, it would be like, so I started working out at the gym, at our CrossFit gym with Amanda, and she's an amazing coach. But I was so intimidated because I'm like, how am I going to do CrossFit? <laughs> I don't even run. <laughs> and Amanda was such a great coach because she didn't make me kill myself before I could learn it. It was, it, I was in pain. It did hurt. I was, I was sore, not in pain, Amanda. I was sore. But she was so kind enough to help me get started. She wasn't expecting me to throw weight around. She wasn't expecting me to just get it all at once, right? It took time. It took a process to the point that I can uh, deadlift 250 pounds, y'all. I'm strong. <laughs> I couldn't even do the 15-pound bar. It was heavy. It's a process. It takes time. But I'm sore. But it hurts. But I have to fight my flesh to get to the gym. But I have to, I have to keep going, even when I don't want to. It's the same thing with your walk with Christ. You gotta do it even when you don't want to. It, it takes discipline, it takes self-control, it takes me praying, it, but it grows you. It does, it made me trust myself more. I'm like, all right, girl, just get it, just get to that line. I'm like, okay, I can do it. And I wouldn't stop, and when I was like here and I'm trying to get to there, my, your mind and your flesh is trying to tell you, just stop. It's okay. You can walk. At least you're working out. At least you're going to church. At least you, like, read the, just one of the scriptures on the Bible app, you know. At least you didn't cuss that person out, but you cussed the other one. But you didn't cuss that one, okay? You have to, you have to fight your flesh. And you have to, you got to just start over when you mess up. You got to start over. It's a process. Maybe if you realize that when you're going through it, it makes you pray harder for yourself. It makes you pray harder for others. It makes you get closer to God. And so many times I feel like the church, uh, or we, it's not the church, we think 
oh, we're just taking advantage of God because I didn't, I wasn't with him so much before, but honey, it's okay. You're doing it now. It makes you, it makes you get closer to him. It, it, it teaches you self-control. It made you love more and give grace more. It made you seek for God's approval and not people's approval. Regardless of the pain, there's a lesson to be learned and a blessing to come because there's a blessing in the breaking. Today was such a tough day for me. I've, I've, I've been learning and I've been digging and it hurts. And today I tried something out of maybe a little bit of obligation or just, I was just trying to push and I pushed a little too hard to the point that I came into the sanctuary and I grabbed my notebook and I walked around it and I was like, God, I need you to help me. I can't do it on my own. And I couldn't, I couldn't, I couldn't, um, I couldn't calm down. I've never felt this feeling before, but like I lost sensation in my fingers. It hurts, but it's got to come out. It can't stay. If we want deeper, you're going to have to go through the process because, baby, when you make room for God, it's such a beautiful thing. I, I asked for help. I was texting Cliff. He was fixing to fly a plane. I ended up texting Pastor Andy, and I was texting my counselor, and I was like, I need help from everybody because I just could not. I couldn't, I couldn't breathe. I've never, I've never experienced that before. And I'm like, God, why? Why would you allow? <laughs> Here I am questioning the potter. Why would you allow me to go through this today when I'm trying to talk about how you are my pot, how I want to be the clay in your hand? And he's reworking me. And he wants to rework you. He wants you to give him permission because you have to. You've got you've to gotta allow him to be that potter for you. It does mean relinquishing control. It does mean that you have to take your hands off of situations. It does mean that you got to trust him even more. But it is time to be authentic. It is time for freedom. It is time for digging. Amen. Thank you so much for listening. If you want to stay up to date, be sure to follow us on all social media platforms or visit us online at myhopealive.church.